There's this idea made popular by the movie The Secret that you can manifest things into your life simply by thinking about them. Actually, that's a bit of a simplification of the idea of manifesting, but I think you get the idea. By focusing on things like money or say a nice home or great clients, you actually attract those kinds of things into your life. Now, we're not so sure that it's that simple. In fact, I think I'm on record as saying that it doesn't actually work that way, but we do think that when you work hard and you focus on the right things, good stuff generally happens to you and your business. Our guest for this episode of the Copywriter Club podcast is copywriter Nicole Piper. Nicole is a great example of this manifesting process, attracting opportunity and clients by getting to work and focusing on what she really wanted to happen in a situation where many of us would probably do the opposite. We'll let Nicole share her story in a moment, but first, before we get to that, I want to just introduce the copywriter Think Tank. That's the sponsor for this episode. And that's our mastermind for copywriters and other marketers who want to do more in their business and their work. Maybe you've dreamed of creating a product or a podcast or building an agency or a product company or anything else beyond just simply writing for clients, billing by the penny or by the hour. Uh, if you want to become the best known copywriter in your niche, that's the kind of thing that we do in the Copywriter Think Tank. And because Kira is still on maternity leave, my guest host for today is Grace Baldwin. Grace is a member of the Think Tank. Uh, and maybe, Grace, you can share a line or two uh, about your experience and just tell us what you think about that. Sure. Hi, everybody. Yeah, my name is Grace Baldwin. I am a B2B SaaS copywriter, currently working in-house the company. Um, and yeah, but yeah, I'm part of the think tank and it's uh, a, been a pretty phenomenal experience and I'm super excited to be here. So we'll talk more about you know surrounding yourself with community and that kind of thing in this interview. But if you're interested in learning more about the think tank, go to copywriterthinktank.com and maybe you could join this extraordinary group of business owners as well. And again, Grace, you can find Grace at heygracebaldwin.com. As she mentioned, she's an in-house copywriter and a SaaS uh, copywriter. She's made amazing leaps forward in her business over the last couple of months. And so I'm thrilled to have you, Grace, to be my co-host for uh, at least the, the comments and, and the interjections here in this episode. So happy to be here. Okay, so let's jump into our interview with Nicole and find out more about her business, the client she works with, and her story. Okay, yeah, that's actually, it, it was kind of like, you know, cosmic or divine intervention. That's what I like to say when I look back on it. Because I have been in the corporate world, as you guys know, for, for many years, 29 years. And I'd always kind of dreamed of becoming a writer. And I remember every time, like, I was just kind of like getting really sick of the whole corporate life, I would always like envision myself like moving to some little village in the south of France where I would sit in a cafe and, you know, write a novel or something. And I always like dreamed of that. And I, didn't really know about copywriting yet, right? So I figured that would have to be like a retirement career. And what happened was um, I was actually, this was in uh, 2015. My, uh, my husband had decided he didn't want to stay married anymore. And I was, um, I was the primary earner. Again, I was still working in the corporate world. 
And it was this like really, um, obviously very stressful time. The company knew what was going on in my life. We have a son and my husband's idea was that we would sell the house and um, we'd each move someplace else. And I was like, all right, you know, I didn't want my son going through his parents' divorce, having to go to a new school somewhere, you know, give up his childhood home and puberty all at the same time. I thought that was a little much. <laughs> so I was like, let me, let me control the things that I can and keep those stable. So I figured, you know, crunch the numbers, like, okay, I can buy my husband out of the house. And that way my son can stay in the school, in his home. And at least I can keep that part stable. So um, I had worked out like doing this big cash out refi so I could pay off my husband. So this was December 29th, 2015. So he signed the quick claim deed. I'd actually waived alimony and child support. And I was trying to be amicable with all of this. And you know, he was too. So I'd taken over the ownership of this house and big mortgage and all that on December 29th. December 30th, the president of the company calls me into the office and lays me off. So That's awful. awful. Yeah, because here, you know, I, like I said, I waived alimony and child support. So I had, like, I had nothing, right? And I remember just sitting there thinking, all right, the panic attack is going to hit any minute now. And, and it didn't. And the weirdest thing is, I, the only thing I can do is I can describe it as like, I didn't, it wasn't a voice that I heard, but it was a message that came across loud and clear. And that was, God's not going to let you fall off a cliff if he doesn't give you wings to fly. Now, I'm not a particularly religious person, but I got this like, this like very clear sense. And all of a sudden I just kind of relaxed. And what I was thinking was, I don't know what's going to happen next, but it's going to be good. And that that's like a really key shift that happened um, because, you know, I had actually a couple of months before bought a copywriting course and, you know, I had gotten on some kind of a, you know, a mailing and I bought the copywriting course. It was AWAI's course. And I thought, wow, this sounds great. Maybe this can be my, you know, three to five year exit strategy from the corporate world. And then here, you know, I had the rug pulled out from underneath me and I thought, okay, let me do this. I'm going to study this copywriting thing <laughs> at the same time as find a job. I was like trying to replace a six figure income. Right. And I would wake up three 30 in the morning and I was just too excited to go back to sleep. I just wanted to get down to my desk and study this copywriting course. And at the same time, you know, I was going on job interviews. Every time I went on a job interview, I would feel really nauseous and just like so not into it. And the copywriting thing just made me so excited and filled me with energy. And I finally decided I was just going to really pay attention to that. And I said, okay, I'm going to give it two years. I'm just going to work on this copywriting thing for two years and see if I can make this work and turn it into a viable business. And I'm telling you, as soon as I put that stake in the ground, stuff just started showing up for me. And it was, it was extraordinary. I can't, I, there's nothing else, no other way to explain it. It was extraordinary. When I say stuff showing up, what I mean is like, I went to the boot camp, AWI's boot camp, and 
I'm sitting there. I see, I walk into the bar and I see Kevin Rogers and I go up and I just start chatting with him. And I'm like, you know, the real problem I have here, you know, I'm taking this, you know, I, I took the six figure course, you know, and, you know, I'm, and I'm, I'm doing all this training, but I really don't know if my copy's any good. And he's like, well, you know what, why don't you send me your copy? Send me some, something to look at. And we have a conversation about it next week. I said, sure. So then he left and I turn around and there's Paris Lampropolis. And like, I knew he was a copywriter, but I didn't know, like, I, I didn't know the players, right? <laughs> so I basically have the same conversation with Paris and, you know, we're just chatting for a while. And then he basically says the same thing. He says, I'd be happy to take a look, some at your co- uh, look at some of your copy. I'm like, all right, fine. So he doesn't have any cards. So I'm writing his email address on a cocktail napkin, right? And there were, there was like a group of people around us. I thought they were trying to get to the bar. I only realized later they were trying to get to Paris, right? And so Paris leaves and there was someone there who came up to me and he said, did he just give you his email address? And I said, yeah. And he said, wow, that's big. I'm like it is. So like this, this person is like explaining to me who he is, how, why he's such a big deal. And he says, you know, and I think there's a rumor that he's going to be, you know, starting a new copy cub group next year. And I'm really hoping to be in that group. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, I, I hope you get it. You know, we exchange email addresses. So I stay in touch with him. I send some copy over to Paris. It was actually a spec assignment for boardroom and he sent it on to boardroom. And then Paris and I ended up having like, I, I had these like little reasons to drop him a note Kevin Rogers was doing Bullet the Podcast thing, you know, so Paris was being interviewed. And so I was one of the people who submitted and he must have got like 400 bullets, right? And he picked one of mine. So, you know, I dropped Paris a note about that. I'm like, oh, I was so excited. I don't know if you know this, but you actually picked one of mine. And um, so we had like, you know, just a very, you know, occasional email back and forth. And then a few months later, he invites me to what he calls a pre-training. Now, I hadn't gotten any clients yet. I hadn't had any, <laughs> any professional copywriting clients yet. So he invites me to this pre-training. And he says, well, you know, we're going to read some of the classic books. And, you know, would you like to be part of it? I'm like, yeah, of course. So I, I get into that. And actually, the email he sends out to everybody um, to start it off it had this other person's name on it who wanted to, you know, who was saying he was hoping he would become, you know, one of his cubs. Actually, I'm sorry. It was before, before that email went out, I sent, I sent him a note. And I said, Hey, have you ever heard of Paris's pre-training? He goes, Nope, haven't heard of that, but good news. I'm one of his cubs. I'm like, awesome. And then I get the email and I see his name on it. So I'm like in the same group and I'm like, does this mean I'm a cub? I couldn't, I like, I was, I didn't know. And it's funny because Paris and I recently talked about this because since I was so new to copywriting, you know, he didn't want to officially, you know, have me be one of his cubs because he didn't know if I was going to, if I was going to make it. Right. Um, so yeah, so he had me like on probation and I didn't know, but, um, yeah, that was four years ago, five years ago. Yeah. So, so that's how this whole thing started, you know? So it just like all of this stuff started showing up for me and I'm like, all right, I'm in. And I've never looked back. 
obviously we've talked to Paris on the podcast and, and, you know, he's spoken at some of our events. And so just, you know, meeting him and, and having him take an interest, uh, it's just kind of fun to hear how he does that. He's, he, my experience with Paris is that he's exceptionally generous, uh, and supportive of, of a lot of us who have a lot less experience than he does. So, uh, am- amazing story. So let's talk about some of the other magical stuff that started happening to you. You know, aside from, you know, connected with Kevin, another great guy, um, you know, somebody who's, who's given a lot to our industry. Um, you know, what else started to happen so that you did start finding some of those clients? Well, okay. So I, I um, did submit some spec assignments and it was funny because I got two, my, two clients like in the same week. So I went from not having anyone to having two clients. And one was um, through one of these spec assignments and it was um, for Natural Health Sherpa. So I did some work with um, Henry Bingaman was was uh, the copy chief there. So I did a little bit of work from for him, and then I had actually gotten um, this was through um, through Kevin through copy chief. I um, I joined a team tech guys tech guys who get marketing I think is what it's called, and they were looking for a copywriter. So I was the copywriter on their team. You know, I got paid by the hour and I was just doing like whatever they needed, you know? So like, cause they would have different clients. So I wrote for, uh, it was mostly, you know, order autoresponders and emails, but there were some other things as well, some landing pages and all that. But it was like, you know, I was writing for people in finance for, you know, grocery stores for some, there was some beauty. It was like all across the board. And I, uh, I was with them for about a year, I'd say. And that, I never actually cold pitched. It, it was more like word of mouth type of thing where I would find out about something and, you know, or recommendations with people so, or from people. So yeah, it was, it was more word of mouth. So looking back, Nicole, I know you mentioned that it like just, it's, it sounds like this magic just started to happen and things started to happen for you. Um, but now that you look back, could you attribute it to certain actions that you took or a certain mindset or a certain attitude or anything that we could replicate, especially for newer copywriters who feel that hunger and determination? Um, now that you can look back four years and say, this is what actually was happening that I just didn't see at the time. Well, one definitely I think was this whole mindset shift. And, you know, it's funny because I had heard about like this whole idea of manifesting and like I had read some books, I'd watched The Secret and all that, but I was kind of like, stuff just can't show up like that. Well, one of the things they really talk about a lot in this whole manifesting thing is is this whole thing about getting out of your own way and allowing things to come to you, right? And so you have to like be receptive. And I think that was like that whole thing back in that conference room when I was being, you know, <laughs> being given the pink slip, right? And that whole shift when I kind of was like, okay, I don't know what's going to happen next, but it's going to be good. So I, that alone just kind of shifted my mindset from, you know, hoping something would work out, wishing for something to expecting it. And I think when you actually expect something to work, you find you find ways, and I I do think the universe conspires in your favor. You know, there's that that saying, and I do think it's true. And the interesting thing is, someone once told me this, and I think this is absolutely true. You don't have to see the whole path ahead of you. 
you only have to see the next step or two. So it's like walking through the fog, you know, and like when you take that step, the, the other steps, like, you know, will start becoming clearer. So part of it is really just about showing up and just being consistent and, you know, um, and, and, and doing things. Okay. Now what do you do? Right. So obviously one is training. I think a big thing is, is getting with a group of people, an accountability group. So that was one of the first things when I was in my first, my first boot camp was like, I want to have an accountability group. So I was on a mission to find some other people who would commit to, you know, basically getting on the phone once a week and, you know, just talking about what we're doing, helping each other and all that. We're still at it. You know, this is four years later, actually five years later. Yeah, we're, we're still at it. So that I think is a really big thing. And we've also like, you know, we've helped each other. We give each other leads. Um, so that's been important. And I think also just, you know, being with a community of other copywriters or, you know, other freelancers where, again, you can share leads because a lot of people all of a sudden are like, you know, they ha- they get too much work and they're like, they can't take it, but they want to have someone that they can refer. So I think that's a really important thing. Nicole, I wonder, you know, if may- maybe you can't even answer this question because obviously your experience is going to be different from everybody else, but being a total beginner starting out in, you know, this, this amazing group of copywriters, you know, with Paris as a mentor, do you think that not having to unlearn bad habits or, you know, that you hadn't been doing this in the past, that that gave you any kind of an advantage as you started to move forward? Or were you at a disadvantage because you hadn't been doing, you know, a lot of the stuff that maybe some of the others in this group have been doing along with you? That's a really good point. And I actually think it was to my advantage um, because everyone else had been, you know, a full-time copywriter for at least, I think, two and a half or three years. Um, and Paris said that, you know, when, when he first talks to people about being a cub, he warns them, he says, you're going to lose money because you have to, commit to the training. And that's a lot of hours every week. So you're not going to be able to take on the same amount of client work. But then on top of that, you have to unlearn a lot of bad habits. And he says, you know, almost everyone, you know, everyone comes into his training having to unlearn stuff. And I didn't have that. So I think that's a really good point. And the other thing is, is I didn't have any paying clients at that point. I'm like, well, you know, I can't, my income can't get any lower. (laughs) You know, so, you know, definitely, um, you know, Paris says uh, practice makes permanent, you know, so if you keep practicing the wrong thing, then you're just going to create those neural connections um, where that you're going to like automate bad behavior. (laughs) So I didn't have to unlearn anything. I want to back up into your career um, before getting into copywriting, which we kind of just skimmed over and talk about your time at MTV. Nickelodeon, you've worked for such huge brands in the branding side. Uh, could you just share a couple, maybe a couple key lessons or takeaways from that time in your career that have stuck with you and could be relevant to other copywriters and business owners? Yeah, well, you know, it's funny because when I when I first started in, you know, direct response copywriting and, you know, I told people that my background was brand marketing and branding. I heard this over and over again. It's like, oh, branding and direct response don't mix. 
So I actually thought, okay, I, you know, I need to like downplay <laughs> that whole thing. And, um, actually it was in, in talking to Kevin. So, you know, Kevin, um, Kevin Rogers. So I, I did a program with him. So, you know, a mentorship with him, which is actually another really important thing I didn't mention before is getting a mentor is really, really, you know, critical, I think, to help you because they're going to, if you have a coach like that, they're going to see things that you can't see, you know, in yourself and they can really help you accelerate your growth. Um, so Kevin was the one that really encouraged me to look at how to connect what I was doing with building brands with copywriting. And it's funny because there, there are pieces that are so incredibly, incredibly relevant, like the whole thing about picking a niche. That's, that's one. And, you know, knowing who your audience is and who you're talking to. Um, So those things are really, really critical. And I think for me personally, it was when I started to do that, that again, like uh, things, things started showing up for me that weren't there before. You know, when I put the stake in the ground and I said, okay, I'm, I'm only going to write now for health and wellness. That's it. And then I, you know, cause it used to be hard. It was really hard before to say no to any, if someone wanted to pay me, I wasn't going to say no. Right. But I realized it was, it was hard, like shifting gears constantly. And like, you'd have to learn a new, new lingo, learn something new. And when I just said, no more, I'm just going to focus on health and wellness, that everything became so much clearer. And I knew where to put my efforts, you know, where to spend my time. But that really is something that, you know, like when you, when you look at Nickelodeon's history, you know, that was, that's how they became the number one kids channel. Because initially Nickelodeon, they, they were trying to be a TV channel that parents would like to put their kids down in front of, right? So they thought, okay, we'll, we'll show child prodigies and, you know, these really exemplary kids. And the ratings were bombing. This was back in the 80s, right? And they probably wouldn't have had a future if they didn't take the time then to stop and reassess. And they started talking to kids. And they were trying to find out, like, what's going on in your life? Just this type of stuff that we do as copywriters, right? <laughs> Talking to our clients um, and, and customers. So it's like, you know, what, what, what's going on in your life? What's important to you? You know, um, what are your struggles? And they found out the kids really, you know, um, they felt like they always had to try and fit in at school. And they wanted a place where they were, you know, they were okay just being who they are, being themselves. So Nickelodeon did a massive brand shift, right? And turned into the the channel that was, you know, really the place where kids, kids were winners, no matter who they were, you know? And so it wasn't about the child prodigies and it was about like humor and kid humor and all that type of stuff. So that's what made Nickelodeon, you know, really become very popular. And it's the same sort of thing. It's like, pick your niche and really understand them. So you know who you're talking to. And what's going to matter to them? And what were the specific jobs that you were doing with Nickelodeon and MTV? What what were the things that you were doing in your career up to that point? Okay, so I was working on uh, it's basically um, licensing. So it's building consumer products programs for each of the brands or the show. So back then, uh, like my first job before I went to MTV um, MTV Networks which owns is MTV and Nickelodeon, right? I was working for the Hearst Corporation, a division of them um, called King Feature Syndicate. 
And they have a lot of classic characters like Popeye and Betty Boop. And so that's where I was learning how to um, do this thing called licensing. Then I heard like Nickelodeon, again, like they were brand new really on the, on the consumer product scene. They didn't have any international channels, but they had shows like Ren and Stimpy and Rugrats. And they were starting to build consumer products programs around those and they were selling them overseas. So they needed someone to help them build their consumer products programs internationally. And that's what I had been doing at King Features. So I got hired to actually um, lead the launch of that initiative. So, um, so it's, you know, it's all about really understanding kind of what the brand attributes are and finding products that are going to work well with those, with those attributes and really kind of, you know, bring them to life. Cause you don't want to have like a disconnect between the brand and the, and, and the product that it's on. Right. Okay, let's break in here for just a moment and talk about a couple of the things that Nicole mentioned. A, a couple of the things that stood out to me, Grace. First of all, is just this awesome community of copywriters that she was a part of uh, and that we're all a part of. She specifically mentioned Kevin Rogers and Paris Lampropolis taking a look at the cop at her copy. No preconditions, you know, no assumptions that you know they needed to be paid for that. But they were just willing to help and. We talk about the Copywriter Club a lot. We have communities like the Underground and the Think Tank where people do that for each other all the time. And I think it's one of the cool things of being a copywriter is just copywriters are the best people. Totally. Yeah. And that's one and I one of the things that I love about this community too is just everybody really is supportive. It's more definitely more of there's more of collaboration versus competition. And uh yeah, I, I agree. I think that finding the community has been for at least for me it's been so important and uh i saw a lot of my own story kind of reflected back in nicole's where once i sort of found this community things took off right and uh it makes such a big difference just to be around people who are as interested in copywriting as you are uh it's yeah it's a really special room to be in and it's not just people who are just starting out i mean kevin and paris they're at the top of the game and they're willing to share and we've had others that are that are similar you know marcella allison and kim schwalm and you know the people who have come and spoken at our events like everybody just seems so willing to help give others a leg up or you know lift them in some way sometimes you know they don't have time to look at copy or to give direct feedback but uh, oftentimes it's it's encouragement it's support sharing of leads it's just a great community to be, to be part of and I, and I think part of that, as Nicole was sharing her experience, is that when you're able to interact with people like that, getting on a mentor's radar, the way that she talked about how she got noticed by Paris, how she found ways to reach out to him constantly uh, is, is all part of that. And so just the fact that it's so easy to interact with other copywriters makes it easier maybe to get onto the radar of somebody that you want to work with or work for. Yeah, definitely. And this is something I've been thinking about a lot this year, actually, um, because in in a weird way, the past year of of COVID has been the most social year of my life because I've somehow worked my way into these communities too, and finding the mentorship and just getting insight from people who have been in the business longer than you, it's really phenomenal. And I think that there's also something to be said about the kind of special relationship you build when someone kind of notices you and and says, okay, there's something interesting here. And I thought that it was really funny that uh, Nicole 
got noticed by Paris, but had no idea who he was kind of thing. And uh, it's just, to me, it was hilarious. It's interesting. And I like, like you, I love Nicole's story uh, and how she connected with the right people at the right time. And I think that is partly because she was expecting things to work out. You know, when she was sharing her story of, you know, the breakup of her marriage and the purchase of the house and the, the, I was just, I was flabbergasted at the stress that I would have been feeling in that same situation. And yet she just had this expectation that things were going to work out. And I think that kind of a perspective as you're starting a business is really hard to have when there are bills to pay, you've got to make the rent or the mortgage payment. Maybe you've got uh, kids or other family that you're supporting. Uh, that can be really difficult to do. And I, I'm not saying it's easy for everybody, but having that kind of an outlook on life really helps. And keeping in mind, you don't need to see the end. You don't need, need to see a way to a million dollars or to six figures or to working three days a week or whatever those goals are. You just need to see the next step or two and keep marching forward and, and keep taking that. And yeah, then you go from from you know low paid work to better paid work and keep stepping it up. Just as you know, Nicole shared, everything just went from thing to thing to thing as, until she's built a remarkably uh, successful business. Yeah. And I really loved what she said. She said, I've shifted my mindset from hoping something would work out to wishing for something to expecting it. And it reminded me a bit of Annie Bacher a few months ago, sent out a newsletter where she said something along the lines of some advice that her mom had given her, uh, whenever she's kind of in a situation that's stressful where she, she takes a step back and says, okay, how do I, how do I want this to work out? Uh, and it kind of reminded me of that. And that's something I think reclaiming these stressful situations and reframing them in a way that sets you up for success is something that I definitely took away from this episode. Yeah. I, I think maybe a way to sort of wrap up this portion of our conversation is just as advice to you, a listener, find a support system, whether that's, you know, people, uh, a community like you know, the, the copywriter club, Facebook groups, whether it's a mentor, you know, a coach who can help tell you, you know, what you need to do differently with your copy or with your business, or, you know, maybe it's just an accountability buddy, somebody you check in with, you know, once a week or once every other week to make sure that you're actually delivering on your goals. You're, you're doing the things that you're saying you're doing and you're keeping each other moving forward, whatever that is. I, I think that's my biggest takeaway here. And it's the thing that's made the biggest difference in my business and with the people that we've worked with in our groups, it's, I see it's the thing that makes the biggest difference in theirs. Exactly. And it also doesn't have to be something that you pay for in the beginning. Um, you can, you know, I mean, not to like plug the free Facebook group, but the, the community in there is amazing. There's also a big community on Twitter of copywriters um, that are always willing to just, yeah, lend a hand. I think the, the hashtag is hashtag copywriters unite on Twitter. And there's a lot of people there that are having these conversations and it's totally free uh, and a great way to connect with other people. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. You don't need to spend thousands or even hundreds of dollars. You can buy a book for $20 or you know $10 you know, for a, an ebook and you can find lots of free resources. In fact, we'll link to them in the show notes, but there are free resources that we link to on the Copywriter Club website you know, that are amazing resources for learning copywriting. Uh, most free resources, you don't get a lot of feedback on that stuff. But if you're just starting out free, there are so many resources that can help you help you grow. So I'm, I'm really glad that you mentioned that. Definitely. Something that I've been thinking about kind of in my own life is when you're, when you're looking for a mentor and they're looking for, they're looking for a mentee there, something Marcella said in her presentation in the underground a couple of weeks ago was that it, 
you're really looking almost for like a mate for life, which was something that really stuck with me. And I think that if you are looking for a mentor, you should be looking for someone that you can have this kind of a relationship with. And I was impressed by the fact that Nicole was saying that she's still talking to Paris, even if it's five years later, I think. It is a lifelong relationship, which I think is quite interesting. Yeah, I, I that's a, definitely a great way to look at it. I know a lot of people sort of jump from coach to coach to coach, but uh, if a coach is helping you grow and they help you get from, say, where you are today to you know your first goal or whatever, what's to say that they can't help you reach the next goal or the next goal? And so finding those relationships that can help you. Certainly, as I look at the coaching relationships that I have, um, I, I still feel connected to those who um, helped me get started out and you know, would do anything for them. And I'm relatively sure that they would do most things for me. So I, I like that. So let's go back to the interview with Nicole and ask her about her framework. One last question. You know, I, I know you've brought some things from your branding experience, you know, into what you're doing in direct response. I'm, I'm curious, you know, what are the things that more copywriters should be doing when it comes to branding and getting ourselves out there? Are there things in addition to choosing the niche and, and really narrowing down that we can take from the branding experience and apply to our businesses today? See, the thing is when, when I'm working with a health coach, right, and I'm, and I'm, trying to help them develop their brand. So that's where we talk about those, those four principles, you know, the person promise process and the pixie dust. So that's the thing that the, the pixie dust is the magic that you bring right to, to what you're, what you're doing and how you get results. So for a copywriter, Really the way, you know, I think there are a few ways that we can look at this. So one is if you have something that you you bring from, let's say, um, other experience. So like in my case, it's the branding piece, right? So now, you know, my kind of like pixie dust is combining the, you know, the branding, direct marketing and copywriting, right? So those, I'm bringing those elements together and everything that I do um, for my clients. So if if people have like, some kind of experience, like, you know, a previous experience. And the thing is, it's often hard for people to see it in themselves. You know, like I, I, like I said, when I first started, I was like, I got to forget my whole branding. I thought I had to forget the 29 year experience I had previously. And I was starting from scratch and there is something that you can bring to it, right. From, from your previous experience. But if you also like another way of doing it is if you create like an offer and then you can have some kind of like magic in how you do that offer. So, you know, because I think that's one of the things it's like when you're just like a copywriter and you're out there trying to market yourself as a copywriter, well, why, like, why should I hire you versus someone else? And I actually just hired someone, My I hired a content strategist and it was really interesting being on the other side of this, you know, um, and I, you know, I had a bunch of people apply for, for the work, for the job. And the, the people that really stood out to me were the ones who were like, they, they made me feel very confident that they knew how to do this. Like this was in their wheelhouse. It's their area of expertise. And they let me know that and they could, they could show it to me. Right. Versus other people who were kind of like, yeah, I could do that for you. It's like, I don't want, I didn't want that. I wanted like, you know, conviction, like they, this is what they do. So you want to hire someone 
to do a specific thing, right? So you want that outcome. So I think that's where, you know, part of this whole positioning thing is becoming the expert in a certain, you know, type of copy or whether it's, um, you know, a niche or a, you know, um, whether it's email copy or website copy or whatever it is, becoming the expert. And then you have your way of working with clients and getting them the results. Yeah. Maybe you can share an example of what they did or shared with you to show that they were competent and that they knew what they're doing to help you feel more confident that they're the right person to hire, if there were anything specific that they did, or maybe just even other examples of what we could all do once we figure out our pixie dust to to show it and to prove it and to put it out there. Well, the person who I ended up hiring, what she did is she came back um, to me with a proposal and she, and she basically said, so this is, um, the idea was I needed someone who was going to take my content. So my weekly articles, um, optimize them for SEO, and then also, um, basically repurpose that content into other, you know, social media, um, posts and, and post it for me on different platforms. So she looked at my website and she actually said, you know what, you know, um, there's actually, <laughs> interestingly enough, she said there are things um, that are off brand here. Like the images in, in your uh, blog posts aren't good for your, you know, your, your website branding and see things. I'm not a visual brander. That's not my area of expertise. I'm like the other part of the branding. You know, I call it the, you've got the part that makes you look good. You've got the part that makes you money. I, I focus on the part that makes you money. Right. And so she, when she came back to me, she had, you know, pointed this out and she'd also um, made some suggestions. Like she knew I was trying to drive traffic to my website. Like that was kind of the goal here was to get people coming to my website. And she said, you know, your website's actually loading a little slowly. I did some you know, I, I did some tests and I, you know, I found you know these problems and I was like, holy cow, I wouldn't even have known about that. So she, you know, brought this like extra layer and it just made me felt like she was going to look out for me. You know, she knew what my end result was and she came with other ways that she could help me accomplish that than just the, what I was saying I needed done. That's a great example of that pixie dust, uh, you know, the stuff that you can add on top of it. I feel like we kind of jumped right through your process. Uh, you know, maybe can we like revisit the four P's and maybe go a little bit more into depth into what each one is and why they're all so important? So again, this is, you know, I created this for, um, for health coaches. And, you know, one of the things is whenever I work with a health coach, they're, they're like, you know, I can help anyone, you know, I've got this training in, in helping people with their health. So I don't really want to, um, you know, they, they have this feeling that if I, if I, if I pick a narrow niche, then I'm going to be leaving money on the table. There are a lot of people out there that I can help that I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to be getting their attention. And I always tell them it's the exact opposite, you know, because as marketers, we know when you try to market to everyone, you really market to no one. So, um, but this is like a, a big problem for them. So I have to help them with that piece of it. Right. So um, I say, all right, let's, you know, let's, uh, the, so the, the, the four P's are the first is the person. So what problem do you solve and who do you solve it for? So that's the first thing we have to narrow. And I have a whole process that I take them through of questions. I ha have them um, 
I've got a matrix, um, you know, a problem matrix, so they can kind of prioritize which ones are going to be better for um, scaling their business, that type of thing. Um, so the next thing is the, the next P is promise. So people, you know, people, like I said before, people buy an outcome. So this is the promise that you can make them. It's like your brand promise, you know, um, then it's process. So the process gives people, it helps to build rapport and also trust that you know what you're talking about. It's like, I know how to get you from where you are to where you want to be. I have a process that does that. And then the pixie dust, again, is that magic that you bring that can, you know, it can basically explain why you get them results when other things they've tried haven't. Um, or, you know, like, here's the thing when it comes, you know, it's, it's much easier for me to give you an example from health, the health coaching world. So a lot of times what people think the problem is in their health is actually a symptom. So if the person can come in from that angle and just say, like they say something like, okay, you know, I have high blood sugar and I've got type two diabetes because I've got high blood sugar. Well, the fact is that even though that's what the conventional medicine says that, you know, high blood sugar is a precursor to type two diabetes, it's not high blood sugar is actually a symptom of diabetes and the diabetes actually happens at another level. It's more at a cellular level, right? So it's like having that, that, that knowledge that is going to help a person see their problem in a new light and one that's going to make, help them to finally get the results that they're looking for. I'd like to go deeper into the problem matrix because that sounds really cool. So <laughs> what, what is it? How is that something that, you know, other copywriters could create something similar? How, how would we do that and, and how do you set that up? Okay, well, I got this idea from the book Positioning by Trout and Reese. And um, it's basically you, you just, just, you know, you make a matrix, right? A four quadrant matrix. And you, you, you figure out like one is prevalence. So how prevalent is the problem? And the other one is the other, the other axis is um, intensity, right? Is getting rid of that problem a nice to have or, you know, how urgent is it? Like, is it really messing with their quality of life. So, you know, so what I do is I have, um, I have the health coaches kind of go through all the different problems that they can help people with or desires that they can help them achieve. Right. You know, whether it's six pack abs or whatever it is. And then it's like, okay, now, now plot them out here on this matrix. You know, how prevalent is that problem? Do a lot of people have it? And how is it in terms of intensity? And severity. So that's, that's how you kind of plot that out. And then they can actually see, you know, all right, yeah, you, you, you want to have something that's going to be hopefully high in both of those. And that's going to help indicate what's a better area for you to focus on. So, yeah. So I, I, I love that approach to thinking about um, the pain that we solve for clients. I just think it's, you know, obviously really smart to be able to figure out, you know, how to address that sort of stuff. I'm, I'm curious because you've got these two sides of your business, one where you help uh, health coaches figure out their messaging. And then you've also got the side of your business where you're writing direct response copy for health and wellness companies. Um, how different is your approach from one to the other, or is it pretty much the same depending on, uh, you know, um, is the same process that you go through uh, for both? It's very similar because 
you know, obviously when you're writing copy, you know, you have to know who your, who your person is, right? The, the person that's going to be buying the product. You have to have the promise of what you're going to deliver, you know, the result with if you buy that supplement or whatever it is. Um, the process part, I, the way I would, I would equate that to writing sales copy is also about, you know, how you get the results or explaining, you know, because you have to ex- explain some things in the copy, you know, explain why, why this is going to get them results when other things haven't, whether it's a combination of ingredients or, you know, whatever it is about that particular uh, product and how it's going to get you the results. And then the pixie dust would really be the, you know, the unique mechanism or the, the thing that, you know, you found about this, you know, in your writing, it's like the angle that you're going to use to show how this product is different from everything else. Before we move on from your process in this framework, can we talk about promises and because you're helping your clients figure out the big promise and what they can use, and then you're also doing it with your own copywriting, where, I don't know, where do most of us mess up when it comes to making promises? Even copywriters who've been doing it for years, maybe the promises they're coming up with are not as good as they could be. And how do you direct your coaching clients, the health coaches, to make great promises? What's some advice you give them? Well, it really comes down to knowing who their perfect client is really, really well. So, you know, because it's that the Robert Collier rule, you, know, you want to enter the conversation they're having in their head. So what kind of promise is going to resonate with them? But then how do you also, you know, take away that skepticism? Obviously, when it comes to, you know, health copy, like you can, there people are making a lot of assumptions or there's, you know, there's all that skepticism because they've heard promises before. So it's really about knowing what's going to resonate with your ideal client. So whether you can kind of say, you know, I'm going to give you this result without having, without you having to do all of these things that you don't like to do or that you've tried in the past and haven't worked. So, you know, it's, it's a lot of times it comes down to being more specific. You know, like one of, um, this is actually a really good example also from a positioning standpoint. I was working with a health coach once she was a a nutritional therapist. And so, you know, again, like she, she can help people with all kinds of health problems. And so I, I said, all right, well, so who do you like to help? Or so, you know, we did the, the whole matrix thing and, you know, who, what kind of problem is the most severe? And she's like, well, you know, I actually help a lot of people type two diabetes. said, okay, well, that's good. So you can help. Um, that can be your niche, right? So you're or the person you're going to focus on the, um, the problems type two diabetes. But then I asked her more questions about her who, like who she does this for. And that's where things got really interesting because she said she actually works with a lot of truck drivers and truck drivers have to pass the Department of Transportation physical every year. Um, and as you can imagine, you know, a truck driver is sitting in a truck you know, they have, they, they have, you know, tight schedule. Um, they, it's not easy for them to get exercise in because of just what they have to do and what's available to them. They can't like go find like a healthy, you know, option to eat. They really have to just stop at whatever, you know, places on the road, which is usually going to be like a fast food restaurant. Um, but she can help them lower their blood sugar so they can pass the DOT exam in as little as eight weeks. And so there she went from a promise of like, you know, I can help 
um, you know, I could help you lower your blood sugar in eight weeks to I can help, you know, truck drivers lower their blood sugar in, so they can pass the DOT exam in as little as eight weeks without taking time away from your route, you know, um, eating nothing but carrots and celery sticks or whatever else. You know what I mean? So it was, it, where you, we really got specific on the concerns that truck driver might have about what this what this person's going to make them do. You know, so that's how like that all of a sudden, like a lot of people would say things like, first of all, it's hard enough to it's hard enough to just, you know, pick type two diabetes. But, you know, here now, um, if I'm just going to say truck drivers, but there are like three million truck drivers in the United States and 500,000 of them have diabetes. (laughs) So that's a big market. She's got plenty of people there. So she's now become the perfect person to help truck drivers with their blood sugar. Yeah, and I think the other side of that's really interesting too, because yeah, she's got an audience of a half a million people, but when they're looking for somebody to help them pass the test, she's the only one, you know, so so it's not just it's not just that she's narrowed her market, but like she's made herself the only choice for a half a million people to choose. It's, it's a brilliant approach. Yeah, exactly. Cool, okay, so I wanna, I wanna go back to something that you mentioned, you know, as we started talking, you were mentioning some of your mentors, Paris and Kevin, you mentioned, you know, the, the accountability group that you've been part of. And I'm curious, you know, what are some of the, the lessons that you've learned from, from those people that have helped you grow your business, grow your skills? You know, the, the biggest takeaways is you've worked with people who are, you know, farther ahead on the journey than you are and that maybe you can share with us who are also behind those people. One thing that's really important is having, you know, um, is investing in your training. You know, I, I think that's something that you should as copywriters, we should be doing and business owners or people who are trying to build a business. We should always be investing in ourselves. Um, and, you know, learning new things because everything's evolving, you know, like now this whole iOS update, you know, that's changed things a lot. So we have to keep up. Um, the other thing is it's really important to have other people read your copy. I mean, that's really critical. And that's one of the things, you know, again, that's like kind of how I started that whole conversation with Paris and Kevin was like, you know, I don't even know if my copy's any good. I need someone who knows what they're doing to read my copy. And um, it's the same thing now. And I was actually just speaking to another health copywriter and she, when she's working with her clients, she doesn't have anyone chiefing her. And so I said, well, let's swap copy. So, you know, when you have someone else read your copy, um, sometimes I have someone read it out loud to me. So they haven't read it before. I just say, okay, read the copy out loud to me because then I'm going to hear things from someone who's never read the copy before, you know, where they're getting tripped up on things and kind of how um, things that might, you know, sound funny when I hear them through someone else's, you know, voice. But the other thing is just um, seeing how the copy lands for people. So I might think something sounds really clear, like I've made the connection really well, and they might be like, you know, I I actually had a hard time following this. So that's really critical. Yeah, that's such a great point is um, not just to share your copy, but I've never really asked anyone to read my copy to me to just catch, catch those little mistakes or where it doesn't flow either. That's a great, great idea. Um, 
I love to just hear more about you and your schedule and how, and just how you plan your time. And maybe it's just a breakdown, but you have this business where you're helping health coaches and you've got your own processes and that's its own entity. And then you do your direct response copywriting in the health space. You also are a cub like we've talked about with Paris. And so um, I'm kind of wondering, how do you fit it all in and how do you manage it? So is it like one priority at a time or you're just juggling? How do you make it all happen? Yeah. Okay. So, um, I have, I, I, I basically, it's so funny. I'm like, I'm old fashioned, you know, I, I'm using just like a piece of paper to track my time, um, and my, in my schedule. So I just put it all, um, I've got a week, you know, a, a sheet of paper that's got the week on it. And then I block off what each section of time is going to be. Now I have a retainer client, um, where I'm doing coaching, um, for his clients who are, um, health coaches, practitioners, and doctors. So we're helping them build, um, build their funnels, right. Lead gen funnels. And so I've got those, obviously those are like set times every week. Um, it's, it's usually twice a day where I'm meeting with them, but then I like to have like, it's usually um, like a three hour chunk of time that I'm going to devote to my copywriting projects. So anything that, you know, if I'm writing sales letter, whatever it is, um, I I'll have like three hour chunks of time and I try to do it, you know, every day, five days a week, have that three hour chunk of time. So, um, and then I just, you know, I'll, I'll, put the time in for Paris, you know, Paris training stuff and, um, you know, in between those, those two things. So Nicole, one of the things that we get asked a lot, uh, you know, from people in our communities in the free Facebook group is, you know, what are the most profitable niches to be in? And, you know, the, the question is obviously asked because they want to move into niches that, you know, where people can make the most money. And the answers tend to be like SaaS or finance or health and wellness, nutritional products, those kinds of things. So, you know, one that area that you work in, and I'm curious, you know, what advice would you give to somebody who wants to break into writing for these kinds of companies, uh, you know, in the health and wellness space? How do how does somebody break out, um, get noticed, you know, get hired by by one of these companies? You know, again, for, like for I mean, my own experience was just getting in there and starting to get connected to those people. So again, that's where groups like, you know, your group or Kevin's group or, you know, um, like AWS bootcamp where you're actually, you have opportunities to spec assignments. I mean, that's how I, how I did it. I know some people, um, they actually do go out and, you know, um, send cold pitches. You know, if you have, it's obviously the very first few clients are the hardest to get, right? Because there it's like, you know, you're not, you don't have, you know, a track record. So what are you going to, what are you going to do? Um, but there are a lot of people like I found who are looking for writers um, who are, you know, just going to do, um, you know, easier projects for them. So it's like really hard to think to get in there as doing sales copy off the bat. You know, there you usually have to have some kind of a track record. But if you can, you can start working with someone, like if there are certain clients that you would be interested in working for, just start connecting with them any way you can. And maybe you start off just writing content, you know, like writing um, if they have, you know, a weekly article that they put out, 
where you can write that, right? And then as they get to know you, then you can start looking at doing some other things for them. We've we've talked about um, so many of the things that you've done right in your business, and let's let's flip it and talk about what you struggled with or what you're still struggling with today. You know, what is the hardest part now that you're you're five five years into the business? What's been the hardest part? I think the hardest part for me has been finding people to do things for me, you know, um, and to do it well, you know, like I've had terrible problems with my website, you know, and paying people to do my website and not getting the results I wanted. Um, so, you know, I think for me, that's been really hard is just finding people that I can, that I can trust to do the work that I need done. Yeah, I think that's a, a broad challenge for a lot of us. Um, what's next for you, Nicole, in your business? Where does it go from here? So I'm actually looking to um, create a scalable offer myself. So it's it's interesting. Like one of the things that I want to be able to do is, you know, um, do what I'm telling other people they should be doing, <laughs> you know? So if I'm like trying to get these health coaches to build their lists and, you know, create a scalable offer. I want to do the same thing for my own business. So um, I'm looking at building some courses. I've got some great ideas on, you know, how I can help health coaches in a way that's um, more DIY, something that they can do on their own. So, um, you know, maybe like taking them through those, you know, four positioning principles um, and, you know, helping them come up with their pixie dust. So that's really, um, that's the next in line for me. And I'm hoping to have at least one course launched this year. Yeah. And maybe as a follow-up to that, how, how do you approach, if you know that's the end goal is to have that scalable offer, what are the baby steps to get there? So yes, launching the course this year, but what else are you doing to move forward in that direction, knowing that you're doing many other things and you can't dedicate all your time to that? Yeah. Well, it's anything that you find that you're repeating to people over and over again, you know, that's a really good candidate for something that you can put into a course. Um, so, you know, I just with, you know, my, my, uh, clients, I'm, I'm seeing like how they're struggling with picking a niche and coming up with their promise and, and, you know, finding their pixie dust or whatever it is, you know, anything involving in their, involving their positioning so that to me is a sign that, okay, this is something that, again, there's like a, enough people have this problem and need help solving it that I can create. And, and it's something that I know how to do. So I can create a course around that, that will help them to do it. Nicole, this has been an awesome conversation. Like you sharing, you know, your process and, and lessons learned and, and so much about your business. If somebody wants to connect with you or, you know, get on your list and, and find out more about what you do with health coaches, with, you know, your, your uh, copywriting for health and wellness companies, where should they go? Um, okay. So I have two sites actually. So pipercopywriter.com. That's one that's really for copywriting. It's just a landing page, but I actually have a download on there that um, people might be interested in if they're interested in writing um, supplement copy. I have kind of some tips there. Um, the other one is piperwellnessmarketing.com. So that's my website where I am building that, you know, coaching business, um, helping health coaches with their positioning. 
that that's another place where people can can find out more about me. So that's the end of our interview with Nicole Piper. Before we go, I think we should touch on a couple more things. Number one, and I, I know we went into depth in this pretty deeply with Nicole, but her framework is awesome. You know, these four P's, person promise, process, and pixie dust. There's, it, it walks through exactly what she's doing with her clients. It's very easy to talk about and to understand without knowing the details of what's going to happen in the interactions with Nicole. And so it gives her something that she can uh, easily talk about during her sales calls. Also, uh, on podcasts and talks, you know, on her website, uh, it, it basically just allows her to help. Her. It allows her to talk about the way she helps her clients without actually getting into so many details that you lose the clients in the details. And I don't know if that makes sense or not, but I, I just really like her approach to uh, to the process. Yeah, I thought her framework was pretty genius. I like the four P's, and I thought that the way that she broke it down was really. It, it was total. It was super easy to understand, and I really liked the problem matrix and the um, looking at different, looking at your customer's problem from and from a point of prevalence. So how how widespread is it in the market? But then also how intensely is your prospect feeling it? And this is something in B two B SaaS that I've experienced at least, where for some personas, for example, they might not be experiencing the problem so, so intensely, but other people are, and you have to figure out the right gauge because uh, the problem will vary per person, which, and I liked the, that's something that I really took away and I'm going to apply in my own work. Yeah, I agree. The problem matrix exercise is so useful for figuring out, you know, is, is the, the offer that I have, is the solution that I'm selling a curative? Does it, you know, is it a painkiller? Is it needed right now to, you know, stop the bleeding neck or is it a nice to have a vitamin, something that people are only you know, going to buy if, you know, if the money's right and if everything lines up. And I think walking through that with a client so that they can identify uh, and maybe even change up the offer so that, you know, you really are hitting a, a pain that's deeply felt with your client. I think it's, it's really genius. And I think if, if there's only one thing that listeners take away from this episode of the podcast, using a, a matrix exercise like that to, you know, intensify offers to really identify the problem uh, is an awesome idea, one that I'm certainly going to steal as well. Yeah, and I thought it was particularly genius too. And this is another thing that was discussed in the in the episode was the importance of having a process. And so over the last year, you know, I've hired a couple people, and the the ones who had who had a process and for things like a web design, for example, where I don't have that experience, it makes such a big difference just to have that process and to be like, okay, I can trust this person and they know what they're doing. Uh, and having been on the other side, which again was another thing that Nicole touched on, but yeah, having been on the other side is quite interesting. Uh, how much comfort you can get from working with someone who says, "Okay, this is I, this is how I've done it before. This is my whole the whole way that I'm working on that I work through this, these kinds of problems." Um, yeah, and I think that this problem matrix as part of her process is just brilliant. I'm really glad that you brought that up because we hear a lot with the copywriters that we talk to and that we coach that, you know, they need to have results before they can put this stuff on the website or, you know, they need to be able to uh, share that they actually, you know, help somebody get a six figure launch or they, you know, help somebody have a $10,000 day or, you know, they've got, I don't know how many hundreds of downloads or whatever the thing is that they're trying to do. And um, that's not 
usually true. You know, what clients want is to be able to trust that you're actually going to do what you deliver. And a process like you're talking, like you mentioned with you, it helps build that trust so that uh, we can see as clients, oh, I know what you, the copywriter, are doing because you've got this process that you follow every single time, or you've got these uh, ideas and these frameworks that you're going to walk me through every single time you do this. And so those kinds of things build trust in ways that uh, are really helpful in working with clients before you have results, case studies, testimonials, that kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. It, it, I, I think it, it makes such a big difference. And another thing that I took away from this episode too, and that this episode made me think about was the idea of expertise. And I think that the, within, I think expertise is kind of blown up or a lot of people feel like expertise, okay, it means that you have to be the best out of you know, everybody on the, everybody in the industry. Um, but it also comes down to just having a great process and something that gets you those, gets you results or like that having something that gets you results or gives the client what they need every single time. That's also a form of expertise. I'm glad you brought that up, Grace, because uh, Nicole has obviously gone very, very deep on her niche. When she's helping health coaches, you know, she's helping them go deep on their niche too. And I love the example of a health coach who can help fix this diabetes problem. And she's only working with truck drivers, knowing that there are 3 million truck drivers in the United States alone. And of course, there's probably another couple million worldwide, but she doesn't need to work with 3 million people to make a great living. She just needs to work with a couple every month or maybe a couple hundred if she's doing some kind of a group program. And so uh, going that deep on a niche gives her a clear advantage. And I was talking a little bit about this directly with Nicole on the interview, but it gives her a massive advantage in being able to go after a very targeted audience she knows what they talk, what they talk about. She knows the words to use. She's going to connect very deeply with them. And she doesn't have to worry about anybody else with a, a diabetes problem who maybe won't use the same jargon, the same words, the same insider language. So it just gives her a huge advantage. And that's something that we as copywriters can do when we're going uh, after our ideal audience, our ideal client is to go very deep on the niche. And we know that you know, we don't just necessarily, uh, for this is an example, but we don't necessarily just work with coaching clients, but maybe they are people who help coach people with money problems or debt problems, or maybe it's even beyond that. Maybe it's, maybe it's, um, people who, you know, have, uh, marital problems because of debt and, or maybe it's, it's before you connect with your partner, you know, how do you work out money? issues? like, you can go so deep on a niche and be so specific. And there are still going to be millions of, of potential clients who need your help with that kind of thing. So having your niche locked down, I think is a killer, killer uh, way to stand out. Exactly. And I, I like how specific she got in the, with, when you niche down with, in, with this level of specificity, you're able to use more concrete language that paints a picture in the minds of your ideal client, ideal customer, not your ideal client. And yeah, so that I, 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 that's, I guess, another takeaway from this is that there's no, there's no shame or not no shame that there, you shouldn't have this fear of niching down because if you can get really specific, then you open up in almost entirely new markets. So yeah, when it comes to expertise, just knowing more than your client, but also as copywriters, as marketers, we do have this expertise that oftentimes we're afraid to step into. And so just understanding what we know, the value of what we know to our clients who don't know that and our ability to help them create 
businesses to create profit out of the expertise that we bring to the table is, is really important. Grace, is there anything else that stood out to you? Yeah, I really liked the suggestion of having somebody else read your copy out loud to you. I've never done that before. And that's something that I really, I want to start implementing immediately. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the idea of reading your copy out loud is, uh, it's great because obviously you're going to catch mistakes, missing words, that kind of thing when somebody's reading back to you what you've written, but also you start to catch a little bit of that tone uh, that doesn't always come across in just copy, but it's that tone that people are reading your copy inside their head. They're hearing the tone. They're they're seeing the words the way you laid it out. So I think that's a really, really good idea. When I was just starting out as a writer, I worked with an editor who used to read my copy backwards in order to capture mistakes or missing words or typos, that kind of thing. That's a really great editing trick, but it's a little bit hard to do that as you're you know, doing a read through on your copy. It doesn't help you feel the flow. It doesn't help you make sure that you know, you've connected emotionally, but reading your copy out loud does all of that. And so being able to, uh, or, or just doing that, I think is, is another fantastic idea. Yeah, totally. I loved it. We want to thank Nicole Piper for joining us today. If you want to connect with Nicole or check out what she's doing in her business, go to pipercopywriter.com. That's where she focuses on her copywriting business, writing for uh, health and wellness clients. She has a free lead magnet there that you might want to find uh, if you are also writing in the supplement industry or in the wellness industry. And if you want to, you can also check out piperwellnessmarketing.com where you can see what she does to help wellness coaches build marketing campaigns to attract their best customers. And that's the end of this episode of the Copywriter Club podcast. The intro music was composed by copywriter and songwriter Addison Rice. The outro was composed by copywriter and songwriter David Munzner. And if you've enjoyed what you heard, please visit Apple Podcasts to leave your review of the show. And if you're ready to invest in yourself and your copywriting business and hang out with me in the think tank, check out copywriterthinktank.com. And I want to thank Grace for joining me as a guest host, guest interjector uh, for this episode while Kira has been out on maternity leave. Grace, thank you very much. Make sure you check out Grace uh, at her website, which we mentioned earlier in the show and which we'll link in the show notes. Thanks, everyone, and have a great week. Copywriters coming together to help the world write better copy and make more money Kira and Rob's Copywriters Club